Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for fellowship. We thank you for the, the joy that we, we know deep down that you've made things, things right. And even though we live in a broken world, we belong to a perfect God who loves us, who's forgiven us, and is extending these, these wonderful things that we're going to be looking at today. And so as we open up your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, that, that you would speak and continue to transform us by your Spirit. And we pray this in the uh, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you uh, a, another, another one of the stories about my little red Prado. Now, you all know that I've got a, a good old vehicle that I've had for 15 years. It's, it's just about time to um, say goodbye to it. But I've got another story to tell you. It's just in this last week. I've been doing a lot of driving around and it's been a great vehicle being four-wheel drive to get in and around Lismore and to visit and do all those sort of things. I noticed, uh, it was actually about 10 days ago, I noticed it was getting harder to start. And there was a couple of times when, you know, you just notice instead of going, rrr, 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 it goes, rrr, rrr, and it starts. Love the sound effects. Um, and I'd only just got a new battery and I thought, oh, the battery, it's gone again. And so I, uh, I was actually at, a, at the Wairala Road shopping centre and it failed to stop, all, it failed to start it altogether. And embarrassing me, had to, you know, find somebody who could do a jump start with it. How embarrassing is that, you know? But anyway, you, you show how humble you are and you appreciate the, the, the generosity of people who are willing to jump start you. And I thought I'd better go straight down to... To, to Battery World, and Battery World fortunately were sort of back operating again in some sort of limited capacity. And uh, they did a test on the battery and they said the battery's okay, which a lot of places do when they want to avoid a warranty. But no, they were right at that stage. And they said, the problem is that your alternator's not working. Now, they said when you turn the, 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 the key on before you start it, there should be all of these lights on the dash. You, you know all of that, don't you? I should know that, being an electrician, start that. And there's a little battery icon that you're supposed to be lighting up. And he, when they would turn it on, the battery icon wasn't on. And they said, that's because your alternator's not working. So to cut a long story short, I went to my auto electrician and he had a look at it. And, but by the time I got it there, it's, it was working okay and it's still, st still working okay. He hasn't done anything to it. So I, I hold my breath every time I go to start the car. But every time I go to start the car... I look for that little icon, you know. You look for that little light to make sure that the battery icon, which basically means then that the alternator is, is going to operate okay. And like I sort of said, if you notice that I'm holding my breath every time you see me starting my product, that's the reason why. I'm looking for that little light that says battery, that says everything is okay. Now, some of you go, well, what's that got to do with Resurrection Sunday? Work with me here. Work with me here. We, we all have challenges in life, and we need help. The Bible, the Bible calls it restoration. The Bible calls the fact that we need help and need to be restored by our Creator, restoration, making right what was broken. And there's so much in our world that's broken. And too often in life, we don't recognise that we are broken. 
I didn't recognise that there was a problem with my alternator when I was driving around because when you're driving around normally, you can have a fault with your alternator where there's no lights on the dashboard going warning, 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 your battery's not being charged. You just think everything's okay. You think everything's okay as you're driving around and then it's only when you stop and go to start again that you're... That's, um, and you realise that there's a problem. Too often in life, we, we don't notice those little warning signals. We don't notice that we need restoration. We don't notice that we need grace. We just keep driving until our battery goes flat. I'll, t- I'll tell you what happens when um, you don't have an alternator. I had it just sitting here idling um, in the car park, sort of thinking, what am I going to do next? And you know what happens if your alternator's not working while you're eventually the engine just stops. It's no longer got any power to power the sparks and all that sort of thing. So eventually it just just conks out. But we've all fallen short, haven't we? Haven't we? We're all broken in some way or another. Now I think in the world in which we live, so often we talk about performance about how good we can do, about how much we can do better ourselves. The Bible doesn't talk so much about our performance. It talks more about the grace of Jesus Christ. And I think too often we forget, and and probably there's no better day than today, on the, the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, that we catch a glimpse again of the grace of Jesus Christ. And it's certainly on the cross we see his grace. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, we're going to be looking mainly in the book of Matthew today. So if you've got Bibles with you or a tablet or a phone, and we're also going to put it up on the screen, um, Matthew 27. We're going to look at the events leading up to the resurrection and then of course we're going to look at the resurrection. So Matthew 27, 57 to 61. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. We've got a picture there. The death of Jesus Christ. Now I remember many, many years ago I saw a painting that had an impact on me and For this last week, it reminded me again, and I've tried to find it again. Maybe some of you may know about this painting. It's a painting um, that's in two panels. And on the panel on your, your left, there is a painting of Jesus' crucified body and uh, the women holding Jesus and wrapping him in strips of linen, preparing him for burial. Jesus, the crucified uh, person, wrapped in linen. And on the other panel in this picture is a picture of Bethlehem with Mary holding baby Jesus and wrapping Jesus in strips of linen. The baby Jesus 
the crucified Jesus. And in that picture is a language of grace. A baby born to die. God among us to save. Now we've just reflected on Matthew 27. The crucified Jesus being wrapped in strips of linen. Yet the story doesn't end. Aren't you glad that the story doesn't finish at the end of chapter 27? Aren't we glad of that? How about we turn to Matthew 28, the very next chapter, starting at verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, notice it's the same wording as the previous chapter, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Note these words, afraid yet full of joy. Afraid yet full of joy. One of the, the, the wondrous things when we consider uh, our, our life in Christ, there is something quite amazing about it all. This, this is the next chapter, chapter 28. The story hasn't ended in 27. Jesus has risen and he is alive. Amen. But even that, chapter 28, that's not the end of the story. It's the beginning of a whole new chapter in the history that God has for us. Now, you've got to realize that for the disciples, this was a complete surprise to them. Maybe we haven't connected these dots. Maybe we think that the first century people back then... Resurrection was a common thing. Well, look, even though Jesus did raise people from the dead, it wasn't a common thing. Most of these Jews, they they would have believed that there would be a resurrection of all people at the end of time. Not at this moment, but at the end of time. In the middle of history, they didn't believe that it would happen. Maybe at the end of history. You know... Jesus' disciples, and more commonly the people of that time, 
when they had met with, with Jesus, they thought the Messiah had a different plan. As a matter of fact, if we just quickly go over to Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, a similar account. But in the record here, just after the resurrection of Jesus, we read this. Luke 24, first part of uh, verse 21, they said, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. This is, what, this is what the disciples had hoped for, that he would redeem Israel, he would kick out the Romans, that they would have a glorious physical kingdom again. That's what their thoughts were with regard to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Even though Jesus had declared on a number of occasions, I must die, I must do this, I will be... even though he mentioned all of this, in their heads. You know when you're listening to a conversation but not really listening to it, you've got your own intentions about what the conversation is going to be? You completely miss the point. The disciples said, we had hope after he died. This is not what we thought. So when he, when he rose, it surprised everybody. N.T. Wright. Some of you may have heard of N.T. Wright, a, a famous theologian and, and author writer. He says this, in one of his writings, Easter was when hope in person surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future into the present. And of course, hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. By raising Jesus in the middle of history, think about this in this term, we've got the middle of history, we've got... Uh, Prior to Jesus, we call it BC, we call it you know, the, the Old Testament. In the middle of history, from the, from the time that Jesus rose again through where we are today, he's introduced this new chapter of, of grace. Of grace. That is the chapter that we live in, between Easter and the end of time. Grace is one of these wonderful things. It's got nothing at all to do with our performance, our abilities. It's all what Christ has done for us. His death and resurrection has ushered in a chapter of grace. And people, that's what, that's what we live in. We live in today. How good's that? That you're not going to be judged on your performance. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Not judged on performance but it's grace. And Jesus alluded to this in his earthly kingdom. Remember that time back in Matthew chapter 6 where the disciples came up to Jesus and says, um, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And, you know, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And in verse 10 of Matthew 6, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was giving a window into this new chapter. This new chapter that Jesus was going to usher in through his death and resurrection. His kingdom would come like heaven, but here on earth. The kingdom come in our home through a chapter of grace. His kingdom come through our church in this new chapter of grace. His kingdom come within our community, within the community of the Northern Rivers, within the community of Lismore, a chapter of grace.
the kingdom of God because of what Christ has done on the cross. N.T. Wright, again, writes these things. He says, Left to ourselves, we lapse into a kind of collusion with entropy, acquiescing in the general belief that things may be getting worse, but there is nothing much we can do about them. I think people live within a society that quite often says, we can't do anything about it. He continues on. N.T. Wright says, But we are wrong. Our task in the present is to live as resurrection people. In between Easter and the final day, with our Christian life, corporate, this is corporate in community, and individual, within our own individual life, in both worship and mission, as a sign of the first, the resurrection, and a foretaste of the second, Christ's return. This is the chapter that we live. This, this is the people who we are. Resurrection people. That's how we defined. We're defined not by a membership to a church or the fact that we're Baptist or Anglican or, or whatever. We are resurrection people because we have been marked by the grace of Jesus Christ because of his resurrection. And it doesn't matter whether corporate or individual, whether we're gathering together as a group of people or as individuals. We're still resurrection people. Whether it's in worship, like when we gather here today, or whether it's missional, when we're out amongst the people within our community. As a sign of the first, his resurrection, and a foretaste of the second, his return. That is the next chapter. That is how Easter is lived out 365 days of the year. Not just over one weekend. It's, it's, it's great and it's important and it's pertinent that we pause for a moment and remember that. But it's not like we only live out Easter over Easter. Every day. Every day, people. Yet too often we forget about the story of Easter. Too often we just drive along in our own strength. But meanwhile, the lights have gone out and our batteries getting flat. You know what I'm talking about? Back in 2019, now they were some days, my friends. We thought they'd never end. 2019, that was before we knew about what a pandemic was. We didn't even know what COVID, what? What's that? Floods or whatever. Back in those wonderful days, back in 2019, as a matter of fact, at about exactly this time of the year in Holy Week, in one of the most secular countries on earth, France, something very serious happened. 2019, Easter, France. The Gothic Cathedral, Notre Dame. Remember that? Caught fire in the week leading up to, how strange that, week leading up to Easter, um, a devastating fire in, in probably the most famous Gothic cathedral around, Notre Dame. There was a huge effort to save the building, priceless relics, and there, there was images of, of a, a human chain of people going in to rescue these hundred, hundreds of year old relics um, out into the safety outside of, of, the, of the cathedral. French and, 
And these are churchgoers and non-churchgoers were absolutely shaken. I've, I've got some images that may bring this back to you. This incredible building, hundreds and hundreds of years old. And you can imagine the, the attitude of the, the, the average uh, Parisian as they're, they're standing there looking at this. And I think this is an image that probably... No, the one before that. Thank you, Michelle. The one before that. What's happening to my church? What does, what does, this, what does this mean for me? What is my response? How should I feel? How do I pray? What do I pray for? The, the desperation that's going on in that. We go to the, the, the next picture there. It's probably images that you recall now from, from um, three years ago of this magnificent building that was um, scarred. Images etched into our memory. Yet in the midst of this devastation, for a people that largely were living their own lives, they would be celebrate the fact that they'd be secular people and live in their own domain and in their own world and make their own decisions, suddenly brought to a, a position where they've forgotten grace but are now a, a kind of awaken. Suddenly the warning light comes on and they're going, something's wrong. How do I respond to this what do I do about it how do I pray again what is my response and probably out of all of the images that were there about Notre Dame at that time probably the most famous photo in the midst of absolute ruins is this next photo now I don't know if it brings a recall to you at all and probably showing it up on the screen doesn't give it its full value but this particular photographer took a photo within the absolute ruins of Notre Dame and the sun was shining at a particular angle that off the, the, the gold gloss on the cross shone above everything else and illuminated the ruins of Notre Dame. And it became the central fixture and probably the most famous photo out of all of the ruins of Notre Dame. And you look at that and you ask that question, God, what is it that you are communicating in the midst of these dark and difficult times? A reminder of what the gospel is about, a reminder of being the cross of what it is that Jesus did to redeem mankind. This image was shown all over the world. And I'll remind you again, this happened in the week leading up to Easter, three years ago. It drove people to prayer, drove people to worship. What drove people in this way? In a strange way, it pointed people to the story. The story. All people get a reminder of the story from, from time to time. And I think too often we gloss over the story. And in a very similar way to what happened in France three years ago, on Monday the 28th of February 
of this year. A story was being written in Lismore, was it not? And just as the French people were devastated by the absolute devastation of their cathedral, people here in Lismore were devastated by what was happening to their town, our, our town, our, our community. And if you were here on, on Friday, on Good Friday, as we reflected on the death of Christ, we also talked about the death of Lismore. Lismore experienced a death. And like the fire of Notre Dame three years ago, in the middle of all of that, you had people who have turned their backs on God, people who had decided to live their own lives, suddenly seeking the sacred, suddenly seeking to, to pray and, and searching for answers. And as we talked about on Good Friday, I'll reiterate again. And for many of you people over these last six weeks in Lismore, there have been people who are seeking the sacred in Lismore, seeking meaning, seeking hope, not knowing but they're living in a chapter of grace and yet for so long have ignored the warning signs and have just driven their life under their own power and it's not enough. And I think a bit like this image here where we see the, the symbol of grace in the midst of devastation. We can witness symbols of grace within our community. Now, a lot of people don't even know what that means, but we see people who are caring for one another. Before that, people were just living their own lives and just focusing on themselves, and suddenly people are going, hang on, it's not about me anymore. I need to care for other people. I need to listen to other people. People who are giving sacrificially where they've never given before are offering themselves. People who are opening their homes to total strangers. Little glimpses of grace. It's only that people haven't connected those dots. And I believe just like this, there are, there are images of grace all throughout our community. And I think there's no greater need or opportunity for us to carry that grace with us than right today when there are people who are desperately searching for in the midst of ruins, they're searching for the sacred. They're searching for meaning, searching for hope, searching for grace. And I think we can connect people. I think it's one of the most wonderful illustrations that over Easter, death and resurrection. As I mentioned on Friday, you, can, you cannot have a resurrection until you have a death. And it's in the death that the new shoots of new life can happen. Now, I'm not just talking about you know, physically rebuilding Lismore, although you know, we hope that that will happen and that will be successful and fruitful and we'll be able to celebrate that. But I'm talking more specifically in the lives of people. The lives of people who suddenly realise, hang on, I've spent all of my life collecting possessions, working, building income, building security, and in one day, all of that's gone. 
what is the purpose? What do we live for? And people, that's our lives in the chapter of grace to graciously communicate that. The cross and the resurrection. So I'm going I'm to leave you with a, a, a couple of questions. And the first one is this. What are the lights of grace in your life? As you spend time with people around about you, family, friends, your neighbours, as we volunteer within the, uh, the, the food bank, what are the lights of grace that God has given to us that we can share? It may simply be a listening ear. You know? that, that may be it. Maybe the fact that we can spend some time with people. And the second question in this is, in which ways are you living out the resurrection? If we are, as N.T. Wright says, we are the resurrected people, living between the time of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his return, we are, as his people, resurrected people. We are new creations. How do we live that out? And how do people see that? Now, I'll go back to what I said before. That doesn't mean that we've got to work harder. It doesn't mean that we're driven by performance and we've got to perform in a certain way and we've got to be able to speak a certain way. We've got to be able to do this. And we've got to be able to do that. It's simply allowing, allowing the grace of Jesus Christ by his spirit to be evident in our life. And once again, as I mentioned on Friday, it's all about the fact that it's no longer we who live it's Christ who lives in us. And I want to tell you, if, if you want to make a difference in anybody's life, I don't want them to see John Wilson. I want them to see Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? So it's not about trying harder or being a better person or anything. It's simply, here I am, Lord Jesus. May you be glorified through me today. So whether we're, we're volunteering out at the food bank or we're just you know, connecting with people, going visiting people or just uh, going about our normal lives, may they see Jesus Christ. And I think quite often it's God's work that does its best in some of the darkest places. Who knows what work God has done through the devastation of the fire of Notre Dame in the same way what he's going to do through the community of Lismore over these next few days, weeks, months and years in a chapter of, of grace.